there might be a few of you, but not many, that would disagree that the 80s, probably the greatest music ever written, still is. Um, so, yeah, I hear some of you would agree with me. But, but so when I was in the 80s, there was all, I could go through, and you wouldn't want me to sing any of it, but I, I love the 80s song. But one of the people I didn't like was Prince. Now, I shouldn't say that now because Prince is gone and he's obviously a great musician all that. But the song I remember the most by Prince is going to party like it's 1999. You guys remember that? Okay, so I'm in my... In my high school days, obviously every New Year's Eve party we ever went to, we sang that song. We're going to party like it's 1999 because that's, that's a pretty big deal. How many times do you get to see a new century come in, right? Now, when I was in high school, I thought then 1999 rolls around and we don't even get to sing Prince's song because of the, well, that little thing called Y2K. Do you remember that? ruined everything. Starting in 1998, all of a sudden we realize all these people that were so smart creating computers, they messed it all up. And they didn't put four spots for the date, they only put two. And so when it rolls into the year 2000, computers are going to think it's 1900. Now all I have to say is, that doesn't even make sense because there was no computers in 1900. So it doesn't make any sense to my mind. I didn't see what the big deal was. But if you remember the media, and it's shocking because you know how truthful media is. The media blew this thing out of proportion. And all of a sudden, man... When that clock rolls to 2,000, prison doors are going to fling open. Prisoners are going to be running free in the streets. Planes are dropping out of the sky. Banks are shutting down. Money's going to be shooting out of the ATMs, which that's where I should have been standing right there waiting. And, and so, so you remember all the crazy things we thought were going to happen. And so, so we weren't even really looking forward to partying like it was 1999. Instead, the great 80s song by R.E.M. was... It's the end of the world as we know it. You guys remember that one? I can't sing, but it was a great song too. But now we go from partying like it's 1999 to now it's the end of the world as we know it. And so Y2K was one of those things that it, they happens from time to time. People over panic, whatever. I read an article this week that was so fascinating. It was, it was by a guy who wrote it for Inside Edition, but he wrote it a couple years after the event. And it was about his grandma. Grandma Cecilia. And Grandma Cecilia had lived through World War II. And when Y2K came, she was 100% convinced this was the end of the world. And she began preparing in 1998. Now, she was an Italian grandma. She started making spaghetti sauce. Is that not the greatest thing in the world? And she filled her garage with canned spaghetti sauce. That's like a dream come true, right? I mean, to live in the end times with all the spaghetti you can eat. But anyway, that's not even part of the story. But anyway, she starts making all this. She's buying canned goods, water. She makes her husband literally make the garage into a fortress. It's like a nuclear fallout shelter. And she was so convinced that it was going to be the end times that she would not let any of her four boys go any place on New Year's Eve 1999 except to her garage. So all the boys, their wives, and all grandchildren and her husband were all in the garage on New Year's Eve 1999 and they were not singing. Let's party like it's 1999. They were scared. 
Grandma Cecilia had literally terrified this entire family and everything she was listening to, she was convinced. And so here they sit in the garage. They've got their TV on. They've got all their canned goods. Ever They can survive for years on all of this. And then Dick Clark comes on and the countdown begins and the ball drops and nothing happens. Lights still work. And All of a sudden, the grandkids are partying like it's 1999. They're so excited. Nothing's happening. And the the grandson writing the article looks in the corner, and Grandma Cecilia is pouting. She's sitting in the corner upset. It's not the end of the world. She'd done all this preparation. Now this Italian grandmother, after about five to ten minutes, finally pulls herself together and goes, what are we going to do with all this food? We've got to eat, right? Well, that sounds like a good party to me to eat all the spaghetti you can. But isn't it amazing what fear does to us? Isn't it amazing when we get something and we believe something, man, it is amazing how fear affects us. And we've all been there. We've all done it to one extent to another. But the opposite of fear is faith. And faith, if we define faith, it is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That's a great definition of faith. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. As I thought about it this week, I realized that we do not have faith in much, do we? We really don't. Let me go down the list here and you tell me if you have faith in it. Do you have complete trust and confidence or faith in the government? Okay, okay, we'll scratch that one. Do you have complete faith or trust in the economy? How about your boss? How about yourself? (laughs) Don't answer that one. Uh, Complete faith or trust, uh, even in yourself. Uh, Now, you can list off all kinds of stuff. We have very little faith in not much, right? I mean, we have faith in not much. Uh, Now, we came to church this morning. We're faithful people. We have faith in God, right? Or, I mean, we say we do. We, we say we do. We should. And, and, but really, when we really boil it down, that's about it, right? But fear? Oh, man. That list could go on for weeks, right? I mean, you can just start with snakes, spiders, earthquakes, tornadoes. That's just a few things, right? Waves being too big. I love the waves. When they get too big, I start to get scared. I'm I'm fearful of what people think of me. I I go and buy new shirts so I look good for you guys so you don't think I'm a dork or something. And there's a fear of getting sick, right? You guys have heard of COVID? That that happened. And we have the fear of failure. None of us want to be failures, right? We have the fear of losing our job. Sometimes we have the fear of keeping our job. Uh, we have the fear of the government. I mean, we, we, we could go on for a long time about fear. But fear defined as this. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and will cause us pain and suffering. And so that's what fear is. And we can go down the list. There's a lot of things we're afraid of. But what's so funny about that is we're here at church, right? And we're here because we believe the Bible. And the Bible over 70 times tells us, do not be afraid. It's actually over 70 times it's a command from God to not be afraid. 
In fact, my favorite is Joshua 1.9. I probably use it too much, but I love it. It's Joshua the warrior. He's getting ready to go into battle. He's getting ready to take the promised land. And God says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God is with you wherever you go. Well, and the truth is, when we live in fear, it keeps us from really living life. Think of Grandma Cecilia. For a year and a half, she spent making spaghetti sauce and, and planning her nuclear fallout shelter. That's all she was focused on. It keeps you from living life now. I mean, really enjoying life, doesn't it? But faith, when we have faith in God, it gives us hope and assurance, both now and into the future. That's what faith does for it. It sounds better than fear, in my opinion, right? Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it like this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, I want to be honest with you. The title of this, Faith Over Fear, I actually stole it from my dad's pastor, my mom and dad's pastor back in Topeka. I kind of stole it. I didn't steal the, the message, but just the motto because I, I just need to go back and kind of tell you what happened. In, in 2019, my, my dad got diagnosed with lung cancer. And so in 2019, he gets this diagnosis, and it's really bad. He's got one lung completely full. The other one has like 50 spots of cancer, and they're not giving him much, much hope. And, and then 2020 comes around, and you know what happens, COVID. COVID hits. So now... My dad's inside, can't go anyplace because he's, you know, high risk and all that stuff. But here's the funny thing. Their church, Topeka Bible Church, was preaching a message called Faith Over Fear that started before COVID. I just think that's so cool. So they are already preaching this message. And my dad and mom grabbed a hold of this motto, Faith Over Fear. And what is amazing is my, my dad, now it's been three years, almost three years since he got diagnosed with cancer. And he has uttered that phrase over and over, faith over fear, faith over fear. And, and for a while, just a month or so ago, he, he kind of went through a rough patch and things weren't looking very good. And, and that makes me really sad because I love my dad. And, and then he started chemo again, has to go through another round of chemo, which I'm just going to tell you is not much fun. And so he got his first treatment, didn't go very well. He was discouraged. He went in this last Thursday for a second round of chemo. And while he's sitting there getting his treatment, he's texting me and my brothers. And he literally said, I'm alive. I'm still alive. And just so you know, when I get out of this treatment, I'm going to kick all your butts in golf. <laughs> So my dad's laying there getting his treatment, talking trash on us. And so, the, you know, those texts went back and forth. But that's my dad's attitude through this whole thing is I'm going to live this life now. On Wednesday, before he goes in on his treatment, he goes out and plays golf with his buddies. And he texts me after and says, I shot an 82 today. And guess what? I kicked all those old guys' butts today. And he was excited about it. But, but he's, he's still living life because it's faith. Over fear. You could be scared every day. And, and the nurses in the hospital tell him every time he goes, you're the most positive one that comes in here. Because there's a power in faith. When you have faith, there's a power. And yet, we worry, don't we? And, and worry is what? It's, it's fear, really. 
I could I could list so many things that I'm worried about. Cancer is one of them. I, my dad's got it. I grew with him smoking in my face most most of my life back before I guess we knew that was bad. But but anyway, so I'm scared of cancer. I'm scared of not having enough money. I'm scared of ever being able to retire. I, I, I'm worried about things that things that I've said. <laughs> I worry about things that I that I have because now I have to take care of them. I'm worried about things I don't have. I, I'm worried about things I have to do this next week, and I'm also worried about things I forgot to do last week. Now, you guys probably are kind of on that same realm, right? We're worried about our health. Some of us are worried about being alone. And quite often, I worry about my family. I worry about my kids, and I worry about my future grandkids if we ever get any because what's this world going to be like, Right? We all think, oh man, it's just going to keep getting worse, right? Well, because we worry. We worry about this. We worry about that. And then we live in a world today that all of us are like, oh, this is a crazy world. Now, I believe every generation thought their generation was the craziest. But we're going, man, look at all this stuff. We have COVID. Then COVID's followed up with monkeypox. And I really don't want monkeypox. I don't even know what they are. But it sounds bad, right? And And then there's gas prices, you should go to Kansas and tell people how much we pay for gas here. They think we're insane. They're like, how do you even live there? Like, well, that's actually the cheapest thing in California. But it, that doesn't matter. So there's gas prices, inflation's what, 9 10%? It's like going up like crazy. And then there's politics, right? The other side is going to ruin our country. It's always the other side is going to ruin our country. doesn't matter which side you're on. But, but we're worried about the government controlling us. We're worried about the government not controlling us enough. We're, we just worry about everything. There's lots of stuff to be fearful of, right? What's interesting is Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, is talking to a crowd. And he tells them, don't worry about these things. Now, if he's talking to us today, he'd have probably gone down that list that I just had. But to the people he's talking to, he says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Wow. So he's talking to this crowd about what you're going to eat. But if you're going to have clothes on tomorrow, we're worried about all this other stuff. But that's, those are real fears, right? And he's saying, you don't need to worry about that. Why? Because God is right here next to you, and all you have to do is seek him. That's your only responsibility. Put one foot in front of the other, take one day at a time, and seek the God that can actually do something about it. <laughs> in... Uh, Matthew chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples are out all day. They're preaching to this huge crowd. It says there's 5,000 men. That doesn't include women and children. So it's a huge crowd. And, and all day long, they're, they're, Jesus is teaching and healing and, and doing all this stuff. And the disciples, as the day gets later, later on, they start to worry like you and I do. They start to worry that, oh man, this crowd, if we don't send them away now, they won't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to feed them. They might get angry at us. So they go to Jesus, pull them aside and say, hey, Jesus, you know what? We should probably send them away now. Let's, let's, we can't feed them. Send them into the towns. Then we don't have to worry about it. And Jesus goes, no, we don't need to do that. Well, why don't you feed them? <laughs> Jesus, come on. You know we can't feed them. Let's quit joking around. Let's get, get them out of here. And he goes, no, no, no. 
what do you have? And they're like, well, we'd actually scrounge some stuff up. We have, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And, but obviously, Jesus, that's not going to feed them. But Jesus' response is, well, just give that to me. And if you've gone to church long enough, you know the story. He begins to break it apart. He, he prays over it, and pretty soon he feeds over 5,000 people. And, and what, what I love about this story is that the disciples were so worried, and Jesus literally almost, oh, it's not mocking, but just says, hey, will you go ahead and feed them? In this way, so they know they can't do it. <laughs> Jesus asked them the question, so they'll verify, we can't do it, Jesus. And he says, well, give me what you have. They give him the little bit that he has, and guess who does it? Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. And, and everyone is fed that day. The disciples were trying to control the situation instead of having faith in Jesus. Faith is a complete trust. A complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And honestly, when we live in fear, it keeps us from living life. It kept the disciples from enjoying the moment. It keeps you from living life. And the other thing is when you live in fear, you miss out on experiencing the power of God. The disciples, if they would have sent them all away, they wouldn't have seen the miracle happen. They would have missed out on watching the power of God. Now, as soon as that is over, we actually read the scripture while we, while we sang when that was over, Jesus then takes the disciples and he puts them on a boat. He goes, guys, I'm going to go be alone for a little bit. You guys get on the boat. You head across the lake. I'll catch up with you later. And so Jesus goes to be by themselves. The disciples are on the boat and pretty soon a storm comes up and there's some great big waves and the wind's blowing and they're afraid. But then they get even more afraid because as they're sitting there in the dark, in the wind, in the waves, they see a ghost walking on top of the water. And they're terrified. And what does the ghost say to them? I just have to read it to you. The ghost, the ghost says, <clears throat> or I'll just read the whole thing. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And, he cried, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. There's again that statement. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Now, I love this because in the midst of this terrifying moment, the wind's blowing, the waves are huge, they're terrified on the boat. He says, hey guys, don't be afraid, it's me. Eleven disciples basically sit on their hands in, their, in the boat going, oh, Jesus, just calm this storm down. Just, just please fix this situation. Peter gets up and goes, if it's you, let me come to you. I don't know if he's just like, wow, I've always wanted to walk on water, Jesus. Please let me do it. But whatever it is, he sees Jesus as, has enough confidence in him to say, if that's really you, let me come to you. And Jesus doesn't even hesitate. Come on, Peter. And there are so many things in this situation. Nighttime, wind, waves, uh, getting out in the middle of, of a giant lake and saying, oh, I'm going to walk to Jesus. Uh, climbing down out of the boat and feeling the water. So many things to be afraid of, right? But Peter does all that. Gets down on the water and for a few moments he walks towards Jesus. He's literally walking on water. Now, all of a sudden, he realizes, 
oh no, these waves are bigger than I thought they were. And all of a sudden the wind's blowing and he gets distracted and he begins to sink. And Jesus reaches out, grabs his hand and pulls him up. And what Jesus says this is immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. This is just me. And as you know, I'm not God. But if I was, and Peter said, hey, let me come to you. I'd say, okay, Peter, you're just a beginner. Hang on. Calm down, waves. Give him flat water, okay? Now get out of the boat, Peter, and walk to me. It'll be much easier this way, Peter. I mean, doesn't that make sense? We do that for our own kids, right? We don't want them being out there where it's dangerous. But with Peter, he doesn't stop the wind and the waves. In fact, that's part of this whole thing. He says, you, you really trust me? Then you get out and you walk to me in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the wind. He doesn't stop it. And in the only, Peter fails, not because of the wind and waves, he fails because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. You see, Peter couldn't control the wind and the waves, <laughs> but Jesus could. And Jesus waited until they got back in the boat before he ever calmed down the wind and the waves. And honestly, we need to quit worrying about the things we can't control <laughs> and focus on the one who is walking with us in the midst of the storm because he can control them. And again, when we live in fear, it keeps us from living in this moment. We're looking at all the bad things instead of just focusing on living and loving this moment. And we miss out on experiencing the power of God. Listen, Peter walked on the water. So often we miss that. We, we look at Peter failing and we look at the, the stupidity of him getting out of the boat instead of going, Peter walked on water. None of us have, well, you can let me know if you have, but none of us, I do not believe, have walked on water. That's pretty awesome, right? And, and if Peter didn't have faith, he would have missed out on walking on the water. When we have faith in God, it brings us hope and assurance now and for our future. That's what faith does for us. And again, Joshua, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Just like Peter out in the water, Jesus was one grasp away. Terrifying, yes. But Jesus was right there with him. And honestly, it takes courage to trust God. It takes courage to have faith that God is with us. Now, going back to my friend Jim Congdon back in Topeka, Topeka Bible Church, my, dad, my dad's pastor. In one of his sermons, he referenced, talking about faith and fear, Benny King and the song Stand By Me. Now, I'm just going to let you know I've never liked that song. I think it belongs in every chick flick you know ever made in the movies, but and that's fine. So I just, I just one of those songs that you hear it, everyone knows it, but I never listened to the words. It was just one of those songs. Well, he reads the words, and I'm like, wait, stop! It says that in that song. That's so cool. So here, I just want to read to you the words of Benny King when he wrote the song "Stand by Me." He says, "When the night has come, and the land is dark, and the moon is the only light we'll see." 
No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. Then he says, if the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall, or the mountain should crumble to the sea, I won't cry. I won't cry. I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand by me. Now, I know Benny King wrote that for some girl that he was in love with, but I'm just going to say that fits perfectly. Faith over fear. Why would we be afraid? Why would a computer virus make us afraid? Why would a virus that can make us physically sick make us afraid? When the God of the universe who created us and created the universe is standing next to us. Why are we afraid? And the only one that we should have faith in is right next to us. This week, I could not get a picture out of my mind. When I, it's always been this way ever since I became a Christian. There's the picture right there. And, and, and so I've always looked at this picture. It hangs in the basement of my parents' house. That's my, that's my dad. This is 34 years ago, people. That's my dad, the coach. That's me, the quarterback right there back in 1988. But I've always looked at that picture, and that's my image of what we're talking about. That is God standing next to me. Now, I know it's my dad, but when I picture God standing next to me, when I picture Jesus reaching down in the water, I picture this right here. Because you can take this, but you can say whatever you want about it, but but I loved playing football for my dad. And, and right here, he's telling me a play so I can go in and run the play. And then he'd tell me another play. He, he didn't play the game for me. He just was there. Even from the time I was five years old, when I started playing sports, my dad was always there. He was always on the sidelines. My mom and dad are at everything. And whether I won or lost or got hurt or whatever, when I looked at the sidelines, my mom and dad were there. And when I look at this, I go, that's it. Now, we can't necessarily see God, but I just picture God. his hand on my shoulder saying you got this and he's always cheering for us and he's always encouraging us and he's always saying I am right here you can trust me every step of the way now this is my picture I, I just I go to it and if you don't not everyone had a dad like me I get that it, you're welcome to steal this picture for your mind if you want to. But I look at this and I think, honestly, there is nothing. There's nothing in hell that can stop me. Because my God is standing next to me. That's faith. Oh, I have my moments where I'm afraid. But we need a picture, don't we? What's that picture for you? It, Paul's going to play. And I want you just to imagine your God, uh, the one that created this whole world you live in, the one that created you as this masterpiece. I want you to picture that he is right there with you. And you can take all those things that you're afraid of and you're worried about, and they don't matter because he's there. Just 
take a moment and bow your heads and just imagine your God. God's command is be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We thank you for that promise. Lord, we just, we pray that you would increase our faith. Each day that goes by, Lord, just help us to trust in you faith that you will be with us wherever we go. Lord, I pray that you would allow us not to be afraid. Not to worry about all the things that are going on around us, but just to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, we love you and we pray this all. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have an amazing week and you are dismissed.